Welcome everyone to a community of culture, the Hispanic perspective. Unfortunately, it's our last one. I'm actually really sad about it because all these wonderful people that are with us, they they make me laugh, crack me up. But I am your host, Otis Evergall, and with me today I have Nicole Barrios, the assistant news editor. Ernest Macias, the assistant trans editor. Olivia Garcia, an opinions columnist. And I'm Kisem Ramirez, the sports editor. All right, all right. So um, something that we're going to talk about, I think in the first episodes, we've talked about a lot of heavy subjects, you know, whatever. I kind of want to start this uh, start this show off with food, you know, food, culture, uh, dance. I remember the first episode, Kisem got his plug in about <laughs> uh, tacos. It's really good and all this other stuff. So I kind of want you guys to kind of give me a favorite dish and what um, the food, the food culture, dance, and all that stuff means to the Hispanic perspective. There, there really is no favorite dish. I mean, you think about Mexican food and Hispanic food in general. It, there's a lot of food that is just really amazing. You can start off with arroz. Uh, you have fajitas. You have barbacoa. You have breakfast tacos. The whole gamut of that. Uh, you just have a lot of possibility of fideo, and there's just really no limits to the Hispanic. Uh, cuisine and I, I don't really have a personal favorite it just depends on what you're feeling at the time a burrito is also good enchilada is also good it's just a lot of good food for sure just a lot of good food so I can tell you like food yeah. <laughs> naming a menu yeah. just <laughs> for the record hungry. it's arroz yeah, you gotta roll your r's arroz arroz, arroz. sorry <laughs> to call you out but I just together. have to it was really bugging him. I know, it really was. Sorry. No, I, I think like he said, there's just too much food to choose a favorite. But my all-time favorite is tacos. I could eat tacos and survive for a whole year eating tacos, like no joke. Um, but enchiladas are also really good. And empanadas. Mm. <laughs> Pan dulce, that's what it is. Um, my personal favorite is fideo. Obviously, my grandma's fideo. Everyone's grandma makes the best fideo, but... Mine does by far. Um, <laughs> it's like a Mexican spaghetti. It has like the ingredients with that comes in rice, but it's like a soup, and it's just amazing. Also, like they put chunks of chicken in it sometimes, and bell peppers and onions. And it is the best thing ever. That all sounds really good, you guys. I don't know. I don't really have a favorite, um, like Kisum here. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. I love <laughs> all the food. Um, even though, you know, my family doesn't typically make, like, traditional Mexican food, I love it. Because, um, you know, you go anywhere in Texas, and there's a Tex-Mex, like, right down the road, Tex-Mex restaurant. For me, being a vegetarian, it's kind of hard sometimes <laughs> to eat Mexican food um, at parties and stuff. But, you know, I always try to pick out the meat and eat what I can because <laughs> it's always so good. So, yeah. You guys get upset if they mix Mexican food with Tex-Mex? Mm, kind of. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It just doesn't seem too original. It just seems like let's put things together and see how it tastes. I think there's a difference between Mexican food and Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex is very of Texas, and it's a creation of the people here, I think. Because if you go to a Tex-Mex restaurant and you order, let's say, uh, Chile Relleno, they're gonna give you something different at a Tex-Mex restaurant than if you go to like an actual Mexican restaurant. And I think it's just, Tex-Mex is not, it's, it's Texan culture. It's not, I wouldn't consider it like Hispanic or Latino culture. You, well, I mean, it has become part of, right, right, yeah. Right. But originally, I think there's a big difference in ingredients and the way it's prepared and the way it's presented. And I, I just think there's a difference. Uh, I was just going to give like a 
if anyone wants really good queso flameado, go to Mamacitas on Ocarina, whether you like it or not. They'll actually light the queso on fire in front of you and it's like a huge flame and it has like chorizo and white cheese in it and then they'll put it in like a little taco for you it is so good so queso flameado it's an appetizer mamacitas at ocarina mamacitas getting the free uh, <laughs> yeah that sounds Regular good some free food <laughs> uh, but for but you know to expand more on the tex-mex food or whatever can one of you guys give us an example for someone who's just listening and said, wow, I really didn't know there's a difference between Tex-Mex and Mexican. If there's like a Tex-Mex food that's different from like a Mexican dish. One of the main differences that my mom kind of harps on when I eat at Tex-Mex, and I, I'm guilty, I enjoy both. I think there's room to enjoy both. Um, there's really nothing better than an authentic Mexican field. Once you have that, you, it's hard to go back. Um, one thing that they utilize a lot in Tex-Mex is flour tortillas. And, in Mexican culture, Hispanic culture, it's corn and it, it's just the whole flour thing is really, uh, my mom just hates it. Every time I order flour, she's like, how could you do that? It's like, it's like, it's a disappointing thing <laughs> to traitor. like the culture, the trader. That's one of the main differences that I see. Um, it's just preparation, like Ernest said too. They put some different spices. They don't really go all out for it. Um, they kind of cut some corners and you kind of see that in the dish and that's why it's cheaper. That's where you can go and get it like three tacos, a taco cabana for five bucks. But if you're going to an authentic Mexican restaurant, you might get that one single taco for five bucks. And there's a difference in quality for sure. That's a, that's a really good point. I never really, I know corn is a big deal, but I never really knew that there was a dis, like a distinct difference in the Hispanic community that, you know, really. Yeah, I didn't even flour. know that either. Like, <laughs> corn tortillas are a staple of like Hispanic culture. Like when you're in Mexico, like there's like, whenever you order something, it always comes with corn tortillas unless you specify that you want flour tortillas. And like the other day I was in Austin and I ordered enchiladas and they were flour enchiladas. And see, I'd never in my life like, thought of doing enchiladas or like eating flour enchiladas because that's just something I never saw. Like to me, enchiladas always go, are made out of corn tortillas. So that's the difference. And then they use, all, like in Tex-Mex, there's a lot of uh, use of like Monterey Jack cheese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I that's not big okay. Note. That's a big no-no. Then what, what cheese do they use in like authentic? Like Just Mexican like cheese. cheese, I don't know. Okay. Like, I don't know how to like say mix. Like queso fresco, is that what it's called? Well, queso fresco is used for like not. I wouldn't use <laughs> for enchiladas, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know because uh, yeah. I don't know how to because in Spanish they have so different, many different cheeses. Mm -hmm. So okay. like, I don't know how to translate them in English, but like you can go to like a Mexican cheese store and literally wow. like. That's cool. I didn't know that existed. Yeah. When I got, my, my family, when they go to Mexico, they bring intricate. back cheese, like from Mexico. That's made in the city, like that right there. They have like cheese. Oh, that's they pretty cool. So many things. I'd be honest, I'm dead serious. I did not know no, that the cheese was like <laughs> yeah. some. Because, you know, cheap queso, you, everyone's eating queso mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. Now, is que queso, that's Tex-Mex. Yeah, queso yeah. is Tex-Mex okay, for Tex sure. Okay. Like that, when you go to a restaurant in Mexico, you don't get a queso appetizer yeah. like i've never i didn't see that until i lived here in texas actually the queso thing that's so, crazy yeah. man food food y'all are making me hungry so we gotta stop talking <laughs> about food but one thing that we, we i kind of want to discuss is dance and music as well you know um how is how is music how is dance affect the hispanic community how does it affect the hispanic culture Oh, it's huge, especially when you have a few beers in you, as us Mexicans <laughs> like. Uh, we love cervezas. to dance. Yeah, some cervezas. <laughs> um, there's, you know, quinceañeras. There's 
Um, boys can have quinceaneros, but I don't think, I don't know, I really, I've never been to one. I've always been to quinceaneras. And weddings is a huge thing for, for families. Um, it's always BYOB. It's always dance to all the cumbias and dance to everything that's being played by the band. And, uh, yeah, it's a huge part of our culture. Just like the food is very lively and, you know, intense and in your face, I think music kind of takes a similar tone. Um, they dancing, they're very vivid, uh, very vivid dancing. They're, you know, a lot of hips, a lot of just, you know, a lot, it's a lot of cheery, passion. happy. It's yeah. passion. And it's like, it's pure. It's not like this choreographed stuff that you see on Dancing with the Stars. It's passion and you see it. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, to see, although the music is sometimes uh, hit or miss, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that's my complaint. Like Tejana music is, is in my opinion, terrible. Um, <laughs> but it's played at music and they enjoy it and it works. Uh, you kind of focus on the dancing; and it's a lot of fun. And it just dancing comes hand in hand with food. You have dancing, you have food, and there you're, you're Hispanic. Yeah, and I think. I don't know, the Hispanic culture, like the dances are so much more, like you guys said, like lively and passionate than maybe other cultures' dances, or like at least American culture's yeah. dances. Like when I come to Texas State, like everybody wants to go two-stepping, and I'm like, really? Like two, this is all that you do in two-stepping <laughs> is walk around a circle? <laughs> for like, I mean, and I understand that it's fun and it's a simple dance, but like <laughs> salsa and like bachata, there's yeah. so much more it's, and it's, it's just hard. so much it's pretty technical better and yeah and, and it's just like i don't know just so it's better than walking it out yeah just <laughs> better than like walk, like like really? one two whack what one two back like, <laughs> like you can't beat that no i'm just i'm just saying that like you know salsa bachata like merengue cumbia it's like so much more passionate and, and so much there's like different moves and there's just all things you can do and it's not you know playing like kind of country dance and i think that's what i love about it no i think the music is very representative of like the culture itself mm -hmm. like the culture is so rich and like the history is so full of many colors textures and the music makes you feel the same way mm -hmm. like it, it doesn't matter if it's like a norteño band or if it's like a, a salsa band from you know another hispanic area both types of music are very they make they make you feel something they make you want to move yeah. and i think it's really really cool that it's like infiltrated like you know areas i have to say though to uh hakim's uh selena comment I mean, Selena comment. Sorry. Akisa. 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 I'm sorry. I'm so I sorry. Like, she talking? Akisa. 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 comment. If Selena were alive, I would so listen to her. Oh, I love Selena. Her. Oh, my gosh. If you oh. want to hear passion in a song, listen to Selena. Selena yeah. paved the way for so many Tejano artists. Like, seriously, yeah. she she's so cool. I mean, she was so cool. Yeah, no, I mean, she still is cool. Her I legacy mean, lives on, and she mm -hmm. crossed that border. Like, you know, she became Spanish-speaking, and when she was also, like, primarily English, and, and I think she, like, was able to join the two worlds really well, and that's why I love her. So. And she, she was, like, kind of one of the very first, like, Latino or Hispanic figures that kind of was going to break those barriers mm -hmm. down that kind of opened the door. Even though it's Tejano music and cumbias, it was still, like, you know, spreading the culture in times where we didn't really have a way of spreading our culture. Yeah, and she was born in the United States, so she 
wasn't raised on Spanish either. She actually had to learn Spanish while she was singing. So I think that's really interesting too on mm -hmm. her part. Watch the movie if you don't know who we're talking <laughs> such about. Such a good movie. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's another thing about like the dance and the music. It transcends like even language sometimes because, you know, like we, we've discussed, I don't really speak Spanish um, fluently at all. <laughs> and when I'll go to my friend's um, Cuban parties, like even if we can't communicate with each other, we can dance with each other. And we all know the same movements and we all feel the same rhythm. And it's like this awesome bond thing even though you can't speak through words you can you can dance together <laughs> if you haven't been to a quinceanera and you haven't heard about the dances we're doing it's hard to envision it because you have to be there to feel the vibes you have to mm -hmm. be a part of it to understand what this music actually does um, but in my defense about the Tejano music wasn't talking about her I was talking about the generic radio uh. thing that you hear and the whole like just consistent like I feel like you can just put any lyrics on there. that that's really what I was talking about but for the most part the music uh, very uh, very lively. It's represented, like you said, a multi-dimensional, multi-faceted culture. We're just not like this. Not we're not just one type of people. We're a multiple type of people, kind of conglomerated into one. And the music is, like you said, representative of of that like fun culture. Uh, some of you guys have mentioned quinceaneras, <clears throat> and we're not really going to talk into the food and the dance aspect of it. It's more of the womanhood aspect of it. You know, uh, obviously when you're 15 and you're a woman, you have this big, uh, I don't want to say show, but like a dance and everyone comes out and your friends and your family and do all the good stuff and eat and drink and all that stuff and have a good time. But, you know, it's really a celebration of a woman, I mean, a, a young girl turning into a woman. Um, so for the ladies here on this nice little uh, round table, <clears throat> how does that how does that feel for you and for uh, Kesem and, and um, Ernest, you know, if you have any... Uh, family members that are girls that have turned 15 and had the quinceanera, how has it been for them, the transition of making that and the expectations of, of a woman after doing that? Well, um, I didn't have a quinceanera. I did not because um, my family is like, I don't speak to my Hispanic family, but, but many of my friends did. And so I remember like last year of middle school, freshman year of high school was like quinceanera year. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, it was just one after the other and it was so much fun. Um, and I was actually a part of my, one of my good friends, I was in her, like, I guess court or whatever. I was a part of the, <laughs> the, the um, party. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was just really fun. It's just, it is a coming out kind of party. Like, um, you know, most Americans have the Sweet 16, maybe like Cotillion. It's the Hispanic culture's version of that. And um, it's a big deal. Like you, you know, your family from out of state, out of country comes and they all just celebrate with you. And I think it's a really bonding moment for the entire family. What a lot of people forget about quinceaneras is that it's also a religious thing. There's also there's like a church uh, service before mm -hmm. where she gets blessed because she's now a woman, and um, certain gifts get presented to her. The priest, you know, prays over her and all that. Then they go to the quinceanera and have the fun, which a lot of people choose more to go to the quinceanera than go to the church and then go to the quinceanera. But um, yeah, it's just a whole bunch of dancing, a whole bunch of prizes for the girl actually there's mm -hmm. like they go like one big prize and then they go like the next big prize and then the huge prize is at the end and it's it's just a lot of fun for a girl I didn't have one either just because I chose not to I just didn't want to go through all that embarrassment to be honest I would <laughs> I would be so embarrassed but um yeah it's like a whole bunch of family a whole bunch of uh religion and uh friends just going and having a good time and Ernest and Kisum, do you guys have any um female relatives or sisters that you know have been involved in that 
I have total around like 12 to 13 female cousins. <laughs> so I've been to a couple of quinceañeras in my day. Um, <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I think they're a huge show just to, they're, they're, I mean, they're fun. I, I loved going to them when I was younger. But I think it's like a big thing in the Hispanic culture to have fun and like, it's just like, it's like, you know, in, in American culture, when you have like a, a presentation to society, you're like introducing, like the parents are introducing their daughter to society as a, as a person that's going to do good for that community. I think that's what it means more than, you know, the dress and the crowns and the dances and the limos and walking <laughs> around the mall and all that stuff, <laughs> which is just really weird. I don't get it. But anyway, um, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been part of them. I've been in them. I've been not wanting to go to them. So, so I don't know. I just think it's a, it's a big show. It represents a time for the the woman, the girl, to really step up and you know, okay, you're really a part of the culture now. Now you're not a kid. We can't approach you in the same way. We can't baby you anymore. You have you're expected to do the things that we do and be a part of our culture and contribute to the family. And that's a big point because now they're just you know not adults. I feel like 15 is a really early age to start that adulthood. Ideally, I think it probably better later but 15 is the age they, <laughs> yeah. they, they chose um, and they're going to take more responsibility as they transition into high school and they transition into college and this is kind of the symbolic um, moment in their life where they're, they're like okay mom uh, I want to be like you I want to do this how can I be more of a part of this culture um, and I've been a part of a lot of Quinceanera a lot of fun uh, the food's awesome we've already we've already went into that but very uh, very important part for the culture for sure <coughs> This is really interesting to me because I feel like what makes the Hispanic culture different than any other culture when it comes to womanhood? Why why does there need to be a quinceanera to show that a woman is 15 years old? Or when she's 15 years old, why does she need a celebration to to choose that she's a woman? I don't think these type of celebrations, regardless of the name, are unique to the Hispanic um, community. I think everywhere around the world you would find something similar, kind of like a coming out into society event. Um, I mean, here you have Sweet 16 or like the Cotillion. Cotillion. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I, I'm not informed about this, but I'm sure somewhere like Europeans have some sort of, you know, event and what like in Asia too, I'm sure. But I, I, I just don't, I just think that it's very unique in the, the sense of what goes into making it and what it means to the culture and the size of these like events. Like they are, they can go from like a really small, like family oriented party to like the whole town. Like in some Mexican towns, like the whole town comes down to celebrate the quinceanera of a girl. Yeah, I honestly think it's just a celebration. <laughs> just one more excuse for us to celebrate and have fun and eat our food and dance to our music. But uh, yeah, that's all I've ever thought about it was, is just um, a time for all of my family and friends to get together and have some good times. In a, in a traditional family, I feel a woman is very, very important. Um, speaking from my experience, they're the lifeblood of the of the family. Like the grandma is the one cooking. She's the one that's, you know, the one that you go to when you need someone. And being a woman, in a lot of people don't really realize that that's very important. And in a Hispanic society, even more so. Uh, they're carrying over their kids. And a lot of times they, they just, you know, hold on the burden of the family. Uh, they're the person you go to. And they're just 
the like the person like the dad the father in traditional family he'll, he'll get the money you know support the family but the mom is the one that kind of gets everyone together and cohesive uh, i think if you don't have that your family is a little bit in shambles and the quinceanera is important because here you're ushering a new person to be that potential you know mm-hmm. matriarch and a leader of, of the family i think that's really what i i think is most important yeah that's interesting we're talking about womanhood and <clears throat> you know something that we talked about when we first started talking about this was the pressure of getting married early staying at home being the traditional woman instead of kind of the new age feminism uh feminist uh ambitious woman you guys feel the pressure of that do you feel pressure to get married early do you feel pressured to be the traditional woman instead of you know the new age and i remember you had a story about like, your boyfriend and and you know you going over to your boyfriend's house and whatnot yeah i uh, when i first met my boyfriend's mom the first thing she asked me is if i could cook and uh, the answer was no at the time because we've been we've been together for four years already and there's definitely a lot of pressure from just my my family too, his family, uh, friends even. Like, when are y'all gonna get married? When is mm-hmm. when is the baby gonna come? And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm 22. Wow. I'm yeah. in college. <laughs> like, calm down. Let's let's calm it. But um, oh yeah, she asked me if I could cook, and I said no. And I could see on her face right away it was a kind of a little bit of a disappointment. But it was mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, you know, that, that'll be fine, you know. But like as Nicole, like what you told me when we first. Uh, talked about it you're like well did she ask you about your education did Did she she ask ask you about about career goals (laughs) right and no you know that's not something that is asked which is really strange but I don't I don't want to assume why that happens but maybe I think it's just the culture thing it's just that's the way like uh Kesem said it's uh, like the woman is in charge of that the woman needs to cook the woman needs to get the family together so obviously his mom wants to know if I would be able to take care of her baby boy. Yeah, and I think that's a, women are seen as the traditional like caregiver, caretaker role in the Hispanic community. Um, and you know, that, that tradition just has persisted and it's just been passed down to generations. But I think our generation is a bit different because you know, like maybe uh, past generations weren't able to pursue a career and maybe they had to stay home but like you and I are pursuing our college degree and, and pursuing a career and I think it's just important for people to recognize that we have other <laughs> other strengths and other um, things that we bring to a relationship other than like can you cook can you clean <laughs> things like that because the man has two hands I think he can <laughs> do that for himself as well in this modern day and age <laughs> I'm not saying it's right, but from from my experience too, the the woman has been subjected to this is your role, and you're going to do this role because that's how the family works. Um, we're changing a little bit. Hispanics, are, I think, are a little slower to the curve than you see other races. I feel like they're still stuck in their ways um, because it's just hard. It's just that's Hispanics are very they are very strong in their ways, and they don't want to deviate from that because they believe in their culture and that they, they love it, and that whole cooking thing i completely understand it because my grandparents and on down that's what the mom does in every family that's all i've known i would go to my grandma's house and she cooked my my uncle i mean my my grandpa he wouldn't just how it worked i didn't say anything wrong with it. i didn't question it just because that's just you know what you do um and as we move on into you know modern society and we're being progressive and anything that's going to change but i think hispanics will be later to the curve than you see other other traditional families yeah and luckily, I know you mentioned your your boyfriend. Um, my my boyfriend is also Hispanic, but like my family and his family don't 
pressure us. So I think that curve is is happening now. I think people are starting to understand that, okay, these these kids are modern and they can kind of let go of the old ways. How does it feel to be a man in the Hispanic, in the Hispanic community? You know, I feel like just a primary you know, provider and things like that. Um, you know, do you guys feel pressure? Do you feel um, <clears throat> any added, yeah, any added pressure to to the situation of, of being in a Hispanic community? I think deriving from you know what it like the cooking and being a woman, the Hispanic relationship. I think it's just like that just sets the parameters for being a man. Like even in my when my parents lived together, like my dad did not want my mom to have a job because she, she went she was you know she was the, the one that was supposed to stay at home take care of the kids and like cook and you know all those um stereotypes and stigmas that come with being a hispanic girl or whatever and then but my mom erased my brother and i to not think that way I was brought up, even though I'm, my family is super Hispanic, like 100% to the core, my mom taught us that I can do everything by myself. I don't need to rely on a woman or anyone to cook, to know how to do dishes, to do a bed. And I think thanks to that, I'm able to not like pass on those, you know, stereotypes, I guess. But from my the rest of my family, there was a huge pressure for me to know how to fix a car, know how to fix something in the house that it because that's my responsibility. If you know, even to not cook, like if you I mean, I think it's a valuable skill now, but some of my family is like, no, you don't need to learn how to make anything. Like someone else would do it for you. And in my head, that never made sense. Like, I'm gonna be alone one day. Like, who, who's gonna like yeah. do this for me? But in the in our culture, they assume that there's always going to be someone catering to the man, and it creates a really like a mentality of my only role as a man is to make money and provide and protect instead of playing other roles, which I think is limiting in so many ways. Yeah, I think why um, I pursued a college career and didn't like, I'm just going to go find a husband and cook and clean for him kind of thing um, was because my mom actually broke the mold. Her mom, my grandma, my great-grandma, my great-grandma after that, all, all of them, all they did was stay at home, cook, clean, all that. But my mom was the first... Uh, to be like, I want to go to college. So her parents were like, okay, you know, you want to do this? You don't want to stay home and cook and clean for your kids? And she's like, well, I will do that, but I also want to have a career. I don't want to rely on a man. Um, So she did that, and so she was a teacher my entire life, and so was my dad. So I saw both of them having careers. You know, one would cook one night, the other would cook the other. So that's kind of how I view my relationships now with when it when it comes to me and my boyfriend like he'll cook and I'll cook or we'll just kind of it's an equal partnership which it should always be the gender roles in Hispanic communities are very finite they're very rigid they're very there they are you deal with them Um, and the pressure to be a productive man and people do this is huge I think about it all the time Uh, my grandpa he owns a shop a boot repair shop he kind of just manually repairs shoes 
all the time and he's doing that manual labor because that's what a man does and being a whole journalist thing is kind of going away going across different i'm not using my hands in that regard i'm i'm, I'm on a computer typing <laughs> and it's not the same thing so i feel like oh what, am i doing something wrong here am i not you know actually a man because i'm on the computer and you know twitter and i'm just new age has changed that um but being able to fix a car being able to be the person that you look to when a manual thing or anything is going on that's and also discipline which we won't get into um, that's a man's job too uh, i feel like i'm lacking a lot of those regards i'm trying to learn as we go on because it, it's tough and i find myself you know trying to do my own thing and try to break away from that norm that we've set for men um and it, it's just probably the toughest thing that i'll i'll do trying to you know live up to my grandparents live up to who they are and what they and what they provide but do you have to though no, I don't. But I, I want to, you know, be good for the family. I want to be like, hey, he's got his, he's got his stuff together. Yeah. Basically, I, I. The only question I'd ask about that is why do you feel that you still have something to prove to your family if you're a journalist or you know you're doing something that's outside the Hispanic norm? It goes back to the rigid norms. Like it's just journalists. Typically, especially in my family, no one writes in my family. No one really does that kind of side of the field. And I am i don't really factor it into it because I'm going to do what I'm going to do regardless of what they think. But I, I wonder in my, my mind, is like, do they think I'm doing a legitimate profession? Do they think that I'm actually making something of myself? Do it? Because I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, it doesn't really factor in a lot to it, but it definitely like makes me pause and go, okay, am I, am I in their eyes a legitimate person? So, I mean, that's just really what I'm, I'm probably digging a little bit too much deeper than I really need to be, but that's oh, that's, uh, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, and that's kind of sad that the gender roles, like you said, are so limiting in the culture. Like, I feel like sometimes, you know, they hold the man on a pedestal, like you said, so much expectation, but the women are kind of lesser than, and that's something that I've always noticed, and it's, you know, it's kind of sad. So hopefully our generation will be the ones to change that. <laughs> And it, like he said, especially with a career like journalism, I mean, when I first told my family that I wanted to be a journalist, they kind of looked at me like, are you like drunk or something? <laughs> like, are, are you being real? And I was like, it's a legitimate career. Like, come on. But I think the when when you're a Hispanic male and you don't want to do a normal career, whether it be fixing cars or a you know something that shows that you're powerful that you're able to protect the people around you or provide for them i think that that's going against the status quo of everything that the culture is built on so i mean i guess i mean it's just it's hard to break away from it but i think it's needed because if we don't do those things then we're going to stay in that cycle of seeing women as less being mm -hmm. as lesser beings than males just because we're males no specific reason just because that's how it's always been yeah yeah like i think something that goes against the status quo is lgbtqia and something that we talk about a lot in in the different perspectives that we've had even in the black perspective um you know the feminist perspective and lgbtqia perspective but uh <coughs> especially in the hispanic community um you know from my understanding it's not as celebrated or it's not as accepted um, in the Hispanic perspective. Why is that? Because it goes against everything that a man is supposed to be. Showing a little bit of, I guess, 
fem- I don't want to say femininity specifically when you're part of the LGBTQIA, but showing any sign that you are not in between the parameters of what is supposed to be male and female completely throws off the whole structure of what the culture is, which is really sad. I mean, we are, it, we've evolved in so many ways as a culture, you know, and to, sadly, the Hispanic culture is one of the last to always accept change, like you said, they're so structured. And myself, being part of the LGBTQI community and being Hispanic, like 100%, it's really, it's really tough. It's, a, it's, it, there's a one, th- the one issue is coming out to yourself and to the people around you, but coming out to your family, who is like a 100% hardcore Catholic Hispanic family, that is a whole nother revolution and fight in a battle. Thankfully, my family has been living in the United States for so long that they are very open-minded, super progressive, well, most of my family. (laughs) And they have been very supportive, but I have had friends who live in Mexico and who have to live technically a double life trying to show their parents that although they're not the typical tough man, they can still like have a girlfriend, they can still change a tire as minute as that might seem. If you can prove to your dad that you can change a tire, you're becoming a man, you know? Those types of things that you have to prove as an LGBTQIA member, I think it's really, really hard. And I haven't had the worst experience, but I've seen people go through it, and it's, it's, I mean, it's just tough. It's going against everything that being Hispanic means. It's so weird, because there's like a sense of indifference, I feel, with the Hispanic community when it comes to that. Um, like my best friend, he's been my best friend since we were in kinder. He's just, I, I love him, but he's always been uh, gay, and he just, he had no idea what to do how to tell his parents, and he still actually hasn't. He, you know, it's kind of like they know, they suspect, but they don't say anything. It's taboo in the house. You know, you don't, you don't talk about it, which I feel is so weird because, you know, he's fine with it. It's not like he's uncomfortable in his own house, but it's just like, I don't understand why it has to be so difficult in our community to just speak about it. You know, it's just kind of just, let's not talk about it and maybe it'll go away or maybe we'll just like let it happen or I don't it's just weird. That's how my grandparents act. <laughs> like my grandmother, my grandfather, they never, they know. I know they know. Because when my brother and I go over to eat, why else would we go? <laughs> <laughs> it's always like to my brother, oh, so do you have a girlfriend? Are you seeing anyone? Nothing is asked ever to me. Because if you don't talk about it, then it's not real mm-hmm. and it's not happening. But they, I mean, silently, their silence tells me that they know. But I think, I mean, is it that difficult to like see beyond something so, what I considered, what I, what I consider to be such a small part of what I am as a person and who I am as a person? Obviously, I mean, it defines a lot of things, but it doesn't completely make everything that I am. But I just, I can't really understand because it's so many generations from, from me. My dad, he, he didn't get married till he was 34. So if you imagine being a Mexican man in a household where I think marriage is, you, people really want you to get married at an early age. So for about you know 14 years, they're just silent, whispering. It's like, okay, is he, what's going on with him? Then he got married and was like, 
okay, we don't have to deal with that. And they, they see it as like a sign of weakness when in reality it's like the amount of strength it takes to come out in a Hispanic family is way stronger than just, you know, living with the status quo. Um, and I don't really, I think that'll change eventually, but Hispanics, they just set in their ways. And the strength it takes to go against that, I can't imagine. Uh, I'm glad I don't have that on my shoulders because I, yeah, that's not something that you want to put on anyone. Um, and it's such a, like you said, small part of who you're of who you are and yet they let that define the whole entire person they kind of use that and go oh well well something's wrong when you look at look at all the good things i'm doing i'm doing this i'm doing that and they let it they kind of look above that once you come out and you show who you really are and that's something that's plagues hispanics it plagues everything and it it, it, it hurts the culture. It really does. I think when you look at it and a culture can't accept people who are in the culture and who do everything for the culture like everyone else, it just doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look good. Yeah, and we're kind of talking about being progressive in the progressive movement <clears throat> before we get out of here. Something that I, you know, always want to talk about, we talked about this too, is that who, you know, sitting here and listening to this conversation, who do you blame for maybe the feminist movement and the LGBTQIA movement not picking up steam in the Hispanic community? Do you blame men? Do you blame women? Do you blame the lack of leadership? I mean, who, I mean, who do you look at? I, I don't blame men over women. I think everyone like continues it. I think it's previous generations just continuing the, the thought process and that, that idea of you have to be either black or white, and if you if you fall in the gray, like we're not going to accept you, kind of. And so many of us nowadays, like our generation, we fall in the gray. And I think it's just the older generations have just passed it down. That's just how we do it. That's just how we think. And I think that's who I would blame. It's really hard to point fingers at issues like this. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I I could we could blame men or we could blame women, but that's not going to change the fact that they're still not being progressive it's like kind of like teen pregnancy it's i see it the same way like although there are so many things to prevent it and people are educated in the hispanic community it still happens like girls get pregnant at an early age and who do you blame do you blame i mean obviously they agree to have sex or whatever but who do you blame they're being educated they're being provided prevention and they still fall into that same cycle of having kids at an early age so who can you blame for the Hispanic community not being open to progressive ideas? Can you blame the grandparents or can you blame people that started this culture many, many years ago? I personally think that instead of blaming people, we should be looking at solutions to stop this cycle. And I think our generation, like Nicole said, we are the gray area of decision making. So I think eventually, that gray is going to kind of overpower the black and white and it's just going to be a new generation of hispanic culture with more facets to it mm -hmm. which is i mean there's so many already but we're just going to add more i think our culture is really big on family i know my family is it's all about you know, keeping in touch with your grandma and your aunts and your cousins and everything like that. Because at the end of the day, family is your family. That's what you're going to have. Um, 
I think that's what like produced the whole woman stays home, takes care of the kids, takes care of the family, man works. I think that's what happened. And I do think it's just a generational, you know, gap. And I think this new generation is going to change that because I already see it changing, you know, in me and my mom changed it when she broke the mode. Um, and uh, like when I the best thing that happened to me is moving from my hometown, which is predominantly Mexican to over here to San Marcos and it was honestly a culture shock I I hadn't seen that many you know Anglo-Americans before I hadn't seen that many black Americans I was just like whoa what am I doing here you know what is this is this is real life you know and um it made me learn it made me so much more open to a lot of people a lot of different cultures a lot of different things and I feel like the more and more our generation is doing that it's just going to open so much more for the hispanic community and for you know millennials the hispanic millennials i feel like are going to be on the rise for the next couple of years pointing fingers at specific group of people specific type of people to me is counterproductive it precipitates a whole other problem where we're like we're trying to address this problem but we're trying to see who started this problem so hey let's talk about this and create another problem on top of the problem that we haven't addressed (laughs) and it's 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 why why do i mean we have to realize that there is a problem let's just get past that then address the actual problem rather than creating a whole other side issue which derails the first problem that we had in the first place and that's that's really why i don't really want to point fingers let's say okay this is how the expanded culture is let's accept it and let's move on let's better it let's make Find sure a solution let's make sure we're doing something right rather than just go oh it's your fault it's your fault that we don't do this and we don't do that what's the point that's middle school stuff i don't i don't i don't get the point for that we've talked about disconnect families <clears throat> feeling disconnected, you know, uh, being Americanized, as you can say, um, you know, how do, how do Hispanics feel about interracial kids, religion, connections to the culture, disconnect from other cultures, um, you know, race relations, kind of like the lack of a, of a leader in the Hispanic community. We talk about immigration, Arizona law, stigma that comes with being Hispanic, derogatory terms, jobs for Hispanics. Um, what does Hispanic mean to you? Um, you know, then we talk about food, quinceaneras, LBGTQ community, women. Um, what does it mean to be a man? When you're all said and done with all three of these episodes, what do you want someone to get out of this? What do you want someone to learn about the Hispanic community and the Hispanic perspective when they're listening to this? I think all of it. I, I, I know that's like, you know, ooh, everything. But but no, I mean, it's it's hard to just say, you know, listeners should get this one thing because I mean we're all sitting here looking at each other saying, I don't know what to say because it's it's been such a, you know, vast variety of topics and and I think um as Olivia's been saying, just don't underestimate us don't forget about us (laughs) and um maybe just accept that there's not one type of hispanic person i think if i had to put remember this i would say that because you know we're all here we all come from different backgrounds we all have different experiences you know Ernest is a gay hispanic person and you know i'm sort of more leaning on the feminist hispanic person (laughs) side and and we're all just so different and our backgrounds are what shaped us and there's not just one Mexican, like they all fall in this category. There's not one. Cubans all fall in this category. I think just recognizing that 
we're all individuals, even though we share a common background, we're all moving forward and we're all our own person. Yeah, definitely a general rule of thumb is that we're all people. You know, we all have the same feelings, no matter if our skin is darker or whiter or whatever. Um, we just, yeah, we're we're from different families. We're from different people, but it's not to say that we're different from you. We're just, we just, grew, we just grew up differently. That's how I see it. And um, yeah, I definitely think Hispanics are the culture that's kind of just put aside a lot of the times, kind of just forgotten about, kind of just like, oh, you know, Hispanics will, you know, catch up eventually. But I want that to turn around. You know, I want the Hispanic community, especially now, I want, you know, the college students here that are listening to this to really know your culture, know your identity, know who you are, and use that and and use that as a force, uh, make it drive you. Um, always know where you come from and always be accepting of every cu- every culture and anything. I, I think pretty much to sum everything up, there's so much to talk about. There's so many facets, so many colors that make up our, our culture as Hispanics as, and as Mexicans. I mean, I'm, we're all from different backgrounds, but as a Mexican-American, I think that the most important thing is to remember that you should be proud of where your family comes from, of who you are, because it's it's something that's going to be with you for the rest of your life and for generations to come. And just to never forget that even though we are sometimes forgotten about, we're still here and we're coming. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll, it'll be, it'll get, we'll get there. And um, it was just really a, a big part of who you are and you should never be embarrassed or ashamed of it and just strive to be the best you can. In the, in the grand scheme of things, I, I want people to take away that when you're, a part of the United States, you're a part of a unique society where everyone is theoretically welcome. Um, they are, and what I want from everyone to take away ultimately is that the Hispanic culture, we need to be included in that in that discussion. We need to all understand that we belong on the same plane, not higher, not lower than anyone else, and for people to understand that we matter in this society and that we contribute just as much as any other uh any other culture. Um, I feel some people that kind of want to put away their Hispanic and they, they, they want to be like, okay, I'm just going to be an American. I'm just going to focus on that. And I'm not, I'm, I'm just not going to let anyone know that I'm a Hispanic. And that's, that's what you don't want. You want people to realize, okay, that's an Hispanic person that, that is doing good things in society and appreciates their culture. That's, that's really what you want. You don't want people belittling their own people for the sake of, um, being a part of the whole cohesive uh, mindset. Conformity. Yeah, yeah, conformity. That's the word I was looking for, conformity. And there you have it. You know, for these these three weeks, I think I've learned a lot, and I think I've, I've, I've gathered a lot of information a little bit more in a Hispanic perspective and things that I didn't know before. Uh, I think some that can be taken away from this is you guys are young. You're young. And what I mean by that is it's coming from, from voices that are young and that there's a voice too. Um, I think a lot of the times that a lot of people see, oh man, we're older, we're experienced, we've seen a lot of these things, but guess what? You from the border, Olivia's from the border. Ernest, you're gay and you're Hispanic. You're a young man. You're a young woman that's a feminist Hispanic. And there's a lot of voices that are young that 
that that know a lot more than what people give them credit for and that's in one and that's in one aspect and that's in one generation that's one thing that i always want people to get this from is that this isn't a 35 year old man that's been there and done that this is 20 this is 2014 and these are people that are living it now and that's something that i always want people to to uh, take from it and it, it always open up it always opens up my eyes when my peers can talk about grown folk <laughs> discussions as people would like to say so um it's been a pleasure you guys have been wonderful thank you so much for doing this and hopefully next year whoever's doing it they can carry on the torch too and say you know what i am 22 year old but i know a lot more than what you think um so for olivia garcia ernest macias Kisa Ramirez, Nicole Barrios. I'm your host, Otis Evergrown. And like I always say, we'll see you next time. Bye.